First Peter chapter. Okay, wait a minute. Everybody get your cell phone out. Dale Whitmire, get your cell phone out. Don't act like you ain't got one. Everybody get your cell phone out and turn it off. When we're in church, there's somebody more important than Instagram. There's somebody more important than YouTube. Oh, yeah. Somebody better than Snapchat. I don't even know all this stuff. Never been on it in my life. First Peter chapter number five. We are not going to be here real long tonight, but we're going to be here just long enough so that you get hungry for the word. One guy was telling me one time, he said, man, that preacher preached so long, I had to get up and go get a haircut. My friend, Brother Robert Bear, told that story. Never forgot it. First Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 10. But the God of all grace hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. This is what I want to talk about here in verse number 13. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. Now that Marcus, my son, that's a whole nother message. But I want to talk to us about building a church in Babylon. Building a church in Babylon. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for your spirit that is with us here in such a tremendous measure. Thank you for your people. God, I pray that you'll strengthen each and every one of us. Let the word of God be strength to our marrow of our bones. Give us direction. We pray that you'll open up a great and effectual door in this region for truth. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I've got to tell you, um, this particular verse of Scripture has just there's a lot of them that have, even as a new convert and reading the Word of God and getting into the introduction to God's Word and God's ways, this particular verse of Scripture has always been that one that has held me in awe and wonder. 
the church that is at Babylon elected together with you saluteth you. There is absolutely no record anywhere in Holy Writ, the entirety of Old Testament and New Testament together. There's nowhere in the book of Acts. There is nowhere in the epistles. We have seven churches of Asia Minor being identified and addressed in the book of Revelation. But we have never even heard that there was a church in Babylon. However, there was a church there because the apostle Peter records such, and he uses this word that's very important, elected together with you. They understood, they had identity. They had experienced enough formation where they understood their identity, they understood their connection to the apostolic world and other apostolic churches, but we have absolutely no record whatsoever anywhere that anybody went there and that there was ever a church there, but yet somebody did go there. Who? We don't know. We don't know who it was. And so it's, it's just one of those marvelous things in Scripture that leaves you wondering about this. And I have, I have meditated upon this many, many times. Who was it that went, that would go to Babylon? We have the great record that the Word of God reveals and unveils in the, in the book of Acts is progressively the Word of God begins to move uh, out of Jerusalem and into Judea and then into Samaria and then on the upper coast to Caesarea in Acts 10 and then uh, and then it begins to explode and it goes beyond. And so outside of now we're talking about the relevance and the importance of this outside of the city of Jerusalem. There is no other city mentioned in scripture that holds the incredible importance, not only historically, but futuristically, because the book of Revelation talks about mystery Babylon in Revelation chapter number 17. However, in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 26, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of is of us all. And so there is a Jerusalem in the Old Testament. Um, it was inhabited by the Jebusites. It was taken over um, by God's people. It was incredibly positioned and postured to be a great, vantage point for anybody that held the city. It then became the city of David and ultimately became the city of God. But there is also a new Jerusalem that will be, that is mentioned in the book of Revelation. And then of course, Babylon, as we've mentioned, is, is, 
has an incredible history. Goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, where you talk about the Tower of Babel. And of course, the word Babel um, means confusion. That is exactly what that word means, the Tower of Babel, which is the beginning point of Babylon. At first, it was just a system. The reason why we say this is because the Tower of Babel, um, it, is, it is considered that it was the very first observatory ever created by man. It was under the direction of a man by Nimrod. He was mentioned in Genesis chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And Nimrod was a great leader of people. And he, he caused people to build. And they built this tower. And um, biblical historians and commentators will tell you that at the top of this tower, some believe it was 300 feet. There's all kinds of speculation in these kinds of things, you have to be careful because of that degree of speculation because it's not exactly spelled out like the, like the length and the breadth and the height of the ark. But there's some that believe it was a lot higher than that, but it was man's attempt to get to heaven using man-made means. Some even believe that NASA and now um, Elon Musk is doing and going farther than even NASA even dreamed with some of his... Um, he's just a fascinating person anyway. But um, they believe that space exploration is a continuation, pardon me, a continuation of the Tower of Babel. The reason why they feel that way is because the Tower of Babel was not just a place for false worship, but it was the very first place where man began to observe the stars. They really believed that this tower was built as an observatory. They were trying to get closer to the heavens. And it is, the, it is called the birthplace of astronomy, which is the study of the heavenlies, and astrology, the birthplace of astrology that was very much real and alive even during the time of the birth of Jesus, found its beginning at Babylon. And they would connect these stars, and they, it's, it's, it's a fascinating deal. But it began to be morphed to where people would begin to read horoscopes. There was many years ago, there was a woman that used to go to this church that um, I was given a Bible study to. A very, it went into weeks and weeks and weeks. Her husband started coming to this church. I believe we she was baptized somewhere else. We baptized him in this church. And um, several times I would go over to their home to give them a Bible study, and she would tell me about reading her horoscope. Ladies and gentlemen, if you read that stuff, you need to cut it in little teeny tiny pieces and throw it in the garbage. There is a God... But astrology is an attempt to try to get insight into your life by looking at the stars. And it's all based on these constellations. And everybody in here falls into one of those classifications. Maybe you're an Aquarius. Maybe you're a Gemini. And I, I almost 
crack up when I meet somebody and they say, you know, I'm a Leo. Well, I'm a Sagittarius. And it just goes on and on and on and on. It means absolutely virtually zero. Well, pastor, we've always felt that way. And the next thing you know, people are going to psychics. Instead of wasting your money on a psychic, I will read your palm And we'll put the money in the building fund, and everybody said, praise the Lord. I'm just having fun. I just, I'm not going to do that. I may put my palm on your head. Yeah, it says right here, I'm supposed to pray for you. Boom. In the name of Jesus. So Babylon has incredible significance, even at the cradle, if, if, if as it were, of, of the genesis of the human race and it began to influence an alternative to the living God. And then as, uh, of course, you understand, there was a dispersal that was there. This is why this is so important. There is a whole Bible study. And please listen to me because this is, this is fascinating to me, and I hope it's fascinating to you as well. There is something incredible about something that is a first There is, there are different laws in what we call hermeneutics, which is, is the study of biblical interpretation. It, hermeneutics covers a lot of different, even scientific, but in biblical interpretation, there are laws that if you will employ these interpretational laws, you will never get off. Unfortunately, what's happened um, for hundreds of years is everybody puts their own laws in which to interpret Scripture so that it says exactly what they want it to say. But one of the irrefutable, undeniable, hardcore rules of hermeneutics is the, is the rule of first usage. It is the law of precedence. I'm going to tell you why that is so important. Is because this word principality when you look up that word in the Greek, the word principality, it means, it comes from a Greek word, arche, A-R-C-H-E, much like you go into, you go from one room into another, but you go through an archway, an entrance. Principality represents something that was established from something that came in or was established one time. This is why, we're way off my notes, but this is good. This is good for you to hear this because this is why when you give yourself to something, you are giving the devil an opportunity. See, there's more people that lose their, the dominion that God gave them because they're, they're, they're ignorant. Okay, I'm not saying you're stupid. There's a difference between stupidity and ignorance. Stupidity is you don't have the capacity. Ignorance is you just don't know. And, and that's not a slam. That just means that you need to be biblically educated. That's why 
the Spirit of God and the man of God and the church of the living God and the Word of God is here to educate you so that you you go from faith, the faith that you came into this with goes to another level of faith. It should never go backwards. And victory should always be pointing towards the next victory. Well, that can only happen if you're, if you're taking the data that's given to you and you're spiritually putting that into operation in your life. This, this first, and why, why, pastor, what does this have to do with anything? Because Babylon, like the Garden of Eden, represented a first thereby gaining influence into the human dimension. And when you give yourself to something, unwittingly and unknowingly, you can be forfeiting some of the spiritual realities that God has for you, but if you don't know they're there to begin with because you're not in the spirit, you're not feeding the spirit man, you're actually feeding the physical man, then you're ending, you're trading a lot off unknowingly. I almost feel like I could prophesy right now. That's why as this church continues to move into the end times, a service just like this tonight. I know some of you worked and, and I kind of was having a little fun when I said I felt a tired spirit, but some of you have been working. Some of you have had the devil beaten up on you the minute your eyes open. But I'm going to tell you, you cannot miss a church service because this is for another world. This is, pre- this is preparing you to be what you can only be in and through God. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. This is not to get a better job. This is not so you can make more money, so you can be a bigger consumer. This is about being what God sees you to be in another world. Oh, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. So, my friend, Brother John Doe, gets baptized, repents, gets baptized in Jesus' name, gets filled with the Holy Ghost, speaks in tongues, but you don't see him for a week and a half. He doesn't come to New Beginnings. He does not come to Tuesday night. He does not come to all church prayer. What is happening Was he sincere? Yes, he was sincere. Was that really God? Yes, that was really God. But he's operating still on the old man in in determining what am I going to do with my time? What is valuable and important to me? I got to get this done. I got to get that. Pastor, I'll see you when I can see you, maybe in a week, two weeks. And already when he comes in, he's he's in a, a place of disadvantage. Are you with me tonight? I think about this. I'm a pastor. I didn't come here to be a playboy. I came here to help people connect with a living God so God can elevate you out of the doldrums of what this world says you are and how God sees you to be. So when my friend John comes back, it's no time for plastic church. It's no time for shallow church. It's time for the demonstration of an almighty God and get him back. You can sit there if you want to, but this is a reality. I can't waste a service. I can't go through the motions. 
There's eternity that's in the balance. If not me, who? If I don't operate on, on what I know, then who's going to? The little Bible studies and little little leaflets that headquarters used to send out to churches, that ain't gonna, that ain't gonna confront the demonic powers that are facing the human race in this hour. But I'll tell you what will, an old-fashioned prayer meeting, a genuine prayer life that'll keep cigarettes out of your hand and keep a bottle out of your hand and keep pornography out of your heart. But it doesn't feel good. It takes work. You're going to work one way or you're going to suffer one way or another. Either you're going to suffer eternally for not disciplining yourself or you're going to pay the price and watch the power of God. My God, I'm in the Holy Ghost tonight. Somebody go ahead and shout and give God praise. You take it easy, you're going to get an easy life. But if you realize, you know what? Backsliding's not a choice. Prayerlessness, I've already been there. Getting carnal, been there, done that. Let my flesh get in the driver's seat, been there, done that. But if it ever dawns on you that God really does have more for you personally and God really has invested something in you, you'll never be the same. And so that's why I preach. That's why I teach. That's why I'm going to keep pastoring. I'm going to just keep going because we got to get this thing further down the field. We got to pull everybody into this. Well, pastor, we don't feel like you felt like it when you got the Holy Ghost. Why don't you feel it now? That's because you misused your time. What happens is when we were new converts, we loved God and we did everything out of zeal with no understanding. But what happens is people become educated and get understanding, and now they don't have any zeal left. Zeal and your knowledge is supposed to be balanced so that when you arrive at what you know to do, now you have the power to fulfill it. Clap your hands and give him praise. I'm not being mean and ugly. I love you too much, but I'm telling you, you're a tailor-made devil chaser. Oh, yes, you are. You're an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Yeah, oh, yeah, Je you sitting there right there. But if you understand, God, I made my mistakes, but I am now going to trust you. I am now going to believe you. I am now going to walk with you. You put that in your past, and you now blaze a trail of glory that you've never experienced in your life. Clap your hands and give him praise. No, let's really clap our hands. Really clap your hands like you know who you are in God. Like, devil, I'm here to mess up your chicken coop. You ran me around for 30 years, but I'm coming out of this tonight. So it's important to understand. And the longer that you operate by these doors that you opened up in your stupid years, We've all done it. C 
systematically the Holy Ghost and the Word of God joining together with your permission will close every gate, every door, close every access point to where now you don't lose the Holy Ghost between Sunday and Tuesday. Pastor, you ain't going to build a church talking like that. You ain't going to build a church without talking like that. A church is just not having bodies sitting out there. A church is having people where we're all coming together because we all have been living right. The thing that the thing that tips the scales in favor of the power of the direction of the ideals and the principles upon which this church stands is the fact that you have a majority of people that are not smoking. You have a majority of people that are not viewing internet pornography. You have enough people that are praying at home. You have enough people. What I'm trying to do is pull in the remaining balance so this can go to the next level and we get a whole nother group in here. That's how it works. Let's give him praise. If you ever let stuff in your life the minute that you choose to get rid of it, God's going to say, that's all I was waiting on. I'm ready to go to work. See, there's a reason why he was the son of a carpenter. Because he moves in, he says, we got a remodel to do here. Oh, I know they like lo- they like using that right there. That's going out. That wall's coming out. We're going to pour a new foundation. I'm going to build this because I plan on staying here a while. I hope you guys are with me tonight. When you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's not God allowing you to keep doing what you're doing. That's God saying, either that's going or I'm going. Y'all with me tonight? (laughs) What do you say we get down to have a real revival? Like we are the chosen. We are the elect. We are they in this region uh, that is going to change the tide of this region in Jesus' name. Clap your hands and give him praise. So much truth. Pastor, I just can't digest that much truth in one sitting. I understand. Man, I ate a lot of food last night, and then Mama pulled out the peach cobbler. And my last button went pop. Just kidding. But sure feeling that way. This is what it's going to take to have personal victory. When you have a church full of people that are moving towards personal victory and then dominion, and you bring those people together in one collaborated effort, that's what challenges the rulers of darkness of that present region. A new, a new, a brand new church does not does not get in that arena. A brand new church fights what? Principalities. 
because it's a first. It's a new church. And then once that congregation continues and builds up steam, and what I mean by build up steam, I mean that there's more people that are that are all investing in the word of God and living spirit-led lives. Now you're, you're way beyond principalities and powers. Now you're facing off the spirits of that region. See, what happened in the Garden of Eden affected the entire human race. One man's sin. And so it required one man's obedience to reverse and overcome the power that was gained over the human race through Adam's disobedience. So then Babylon represents another first because they were unified. Whereas the Garden of Eden was Adam and Eve, and we're still, that gave permission to satanic forces to become the God of this world. This stuff is real. We are on a mud ball spinning in a solar system on a planet that was built and designed by God. And it was designed and built by God so that it could sustain life. This is against, if you could, if you could somehow go from the micro to the macro and see the panoramic picture, this is against God and the devil. And so what we're doing here has eternal supernatural ramifications. So when you when you get for lack of a better term in alignment the 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 word of God is preached. The anointing of the Holy Ghost takes the word, and it's like it's like it's like a call that goes out. And when you receive that call, and you get into alignment with that, is this getting on your nerves? No. Sounds like the lid to my casket. <laughs> when the word of God goes forth and the anointing of the Holy Ghost goes forth and you receive that willingly, it has to be voluntary, it has to be, excuse me, <clears throat> has to be the power of choice for it to have supernatural validity. Nothing 
Nothing will be received by God that is forced. This is why when they built the temple, they were not allowed to use any kind of an instrument where there would be a banging or a chipping or a hammering because God is not gonna force anybody to be a part of this. In the New Testament, it says we are fitly framed. We are molded and shaped and we flow together. When the word of God goes forth and we respond, and we do this, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and then we yield to that. Stay with me. It creates a portal. Everybody said portal. What's a portal? A portal is an opening. You say, Pastor, I don't know about this. Sounds charismatic. I know it's not. It's apostolic. Because Jesus said, on earth, shall it be done in heaven. And I, I pray regularly. As it is in heaven, do in Rick Mayo. I wanna be in alignment. When you're in alignment, then there is no resistance between the immaterial and the material, and the invisible and the visible. And then promises given are promises kept. The reason why a lot of people are not seeing what they want to see is you're not in that portal. And what God is waiting for us to do is to get into alignment. And when we get into alignment, if it hasn't happened yet, we are convinced it's going to happen because God cannot lie. And the word of God, oh my God, I feel it on me here tonight. So what we're doing in Spokane, Washington is not just some little denominational, organizational little gathering. We're here to bust open a portal to undo what happened in Eden, to undo what happened in Babel. And we're resisting Babel because now it's got to be the unity of God's people and nothing shall be able to stop the type of hand and give God the praise. But the more we stay and hold to our individualism, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, oh, pastor, you know, this kind of cookie cutter. <laughs> Conformity, uniformity, we, nobody in their right mind wants that. I don't want that. Well, we gotta have the unity of the spirit. And we've gotta have the unity of the faith. And we've got to have the, the unity of the love for the word. And we've got to have the unity of the love for the spirit. Because they were all in one mind and one accord. They could have shortened that and said they were all unified together. We've got to have that. And then when we're all unified and we're all together in one mind and one accord, and God moves us because there's a portal. A portal was opened into the human race. Go ahead and clap your hands and give God the praise. You're going to walk in circles for the rest of your life until you finally realize this ain't even about me. This is about God and a fallen angel. And the fallen angel's trying to get me to believe in his ways. The only way that they built the church in Babylon, you think that's incredible. There were believers, oh, I, you gotta see this. I'm gonna quit walking over that spot right there because it sounds like the creaky lid of my casket. 
Everybody, shh. I feel like Boris Karloff. Hello. The creaky lid to the pastor's casket. Oh, pastor, that's so goofy. No, it isn't. You just don't have a sense of humor. I am not going to get online to look for my humor. I don't need, I don't need profanity to think something funny. I don't need to make fun of somebody's physical features to laugh. That's unclean and impure. But when you get full of the Holy Ghost, you can just, you can just. All right, I'm going to quit walking there. Look at this. Go to Philippians chapter four. Salute every saint. This is the benediction of the book of Philippians. That means it's the last, some of the last phrases captured by the apostle Paul. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. Next verse. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar. What? Caesar's household. This is one of the jailhouse letters. Wrote this from jail. There were actually saints of God in Caesar's household. We need some saints in the Biden administration. Whose coke was it? I want to know. The cameras are everywhere. There were, there were tongue-talking, baptized in Jesus' name believers in Caesar's household. Don't tell me that you can't successfully live for God in the job you're currently employed in. You settle it here, and then you take it. Oh, come on, somebody. You don't figure out what you're doing out there. You settle it here where you got power, where there's a portal, where you got strength, where there's unity. Go ahead and clap your hands and give him praise. So who went to Babylon? I don't know. Brother, what's his name? Around here, we've got a little saying that's catching on real fast. Brother, uh, brother, uh, uh, you know, brother and sister, uh, you know, the sister that, yeah, brother, uh, somebody went to Babylon. Somebody missed their call to go to Ephesus with Paul. Silas already had his spot. Timothy already had his spot. Man, there ain't nowhere left to go. I guess I'll head on over to Babylon. Somebody went to Babylon, a home missionary. Somebody arrived at Babylon and say, my God is bigger than the God of Babylon. (laughs) 
somebody got, somebody just reared back and said, I'm going to go ahead and give some Bible studies. I'm going to go ahead and start praying. I'm going to go ahead and start fasting. We are going to fight the principalities, the things that got here first. The things that got here first are still here, ladies and gentlemen. But somewhere, somebody got a breakthrough in Babylon. They didn't feel bad because they weren't on the cover of Pentecostal Herald. Oh, here's my casket. They didn't get offended because they didn't get that missions offering. Those all went to Asia Minor. We're Paul and Silas and all them big timers were. I'm having a little fun with this tonight, so lighten up. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll continue to follow your pastor and we keep this portal open, it's open. We would have never got to this level. Are you kidding me? The average apostolic church in the Northwest is 40 people. And that's exactly, that was the first. And that's exactly where the devil wants to keep people, is just 40 people and then get involved in an organizational office and you can kiss them goodbye. No, no, we didn't come here to get political. We didn't come here to get elected. We came here, we were sent by God. And we were believers of God. And I've been in revivals that had a portal that shattered every lion devil. Clap your hands and give him praise and keep the portal open in your life and let God flow into you. Flow. Somebody didn't get a bad attitude because they weren't asked to preach conference. You know, first conference there at Jerusalem. Acts 11, 12, so on and so forth. They didn't get a bad attitude because they weren't even named in Scripture. Just somebody called, somebody anointed, somebody that loved truth, somebody that loved God, somebody that believed. No name. Just showed up and went to work. And he gave a shout out through the apostle. Unto the elect with you guys, we salute you from Babylon. Clap your hands and give him the praise. No Instagram, no YouTube, no social media. Not a bad attitude, not feeling sorry for themselves. Just say, we want you guys to know we're part of the elect like you are, and we salute you. Oh, come on, somebody. Give him the praise. Give him the praise. That's great preaching. That's better preaching than you're responding. I'm sorry, I got that from my pastor. He didn't get very far with it either. Lisa's consistent. So how do we overcome, Pastor, once we get this portal? And Cornerstone has a portal. 
And as we continue to get more people into the epicenter, you come out of your individualism, which oftentimes is isolation. And mostly, most of the time, people are isolated because of negative experiences they've had with either pastors, church involvement, saints. And so they just stay isolated. And they think that that's pleasing God. That is not pleasing God. What you need to do is address, find out what your hurts are. Find out why you're isolated, why you're out on the perimeter when you have giftedness and you have abilities. And you have, we know that because, you're telling, because other people know that and see that, but you're not involved in anything. But address those things, face those things, and let God take that wound and put an anointing in it. And let God look that difference and heal it. And God take that situation and take you to another level. And now, instead of being in isolation, you're leading in a portal that's pulling people off a bar stool and parting people out of same-sex attraction and pulling people out of darkness into this marvelous light. I'm not here to do the work for you. I'm just here to tell you exactly what God's wanting to do with you. And the more people that get into the nucleus of this portal, the epicenter, the nucleus, then all the other circles around it get larger. But growth, it's concentric. Everybody say concentric. It starts in the middle. It grows outward. That's where the portal is. The portal opens up over the consecration and dedication. And then it spreads. And then... Another family gets on board. Another family consecrates. More young people dedicate and consecrate. And now the thing becomes a force that is challenging the spiritual wickedness in high places of that entire region. So what do we do? What did Babylon represent? Babylon represented false doctrine. It worshiped the creation more than the creator. When Paul wrote Romans chapter one, he singularly had Babylon in mind when he talked about that you ought to be able to look at the heavenly bodies, the cosmic creation of God, and be able to determine that there's one God. But Babylon didn't do that. They said, let's worship the stars. Let's worship the Milky Way. Let's worship all these astrological signs and all kinds of weird creatures. You have to become the opposite of the thing that you're fighting. Pastor, that's too much work. How bad do you want to be free? See, you opened that up, and so now that principle is parked in your character. And the more that you give yourself to it, the deeper it gets until it changes your personality. It changes your thought processes. Because you opened yourself up to principalities. And they're not leaving. They can come in here week after week, and the pastor can get anointed, the evangelist can get anointed, and challenge those spirits, but until you get in alignment and get in that portal, those spirits ain't moving. But the minute you say, you know, I really do want to be free. I'm done with this. And you get in this portal, deliverance takes place. Salvation takes place. The power. The power moves from here 
to hear. Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. Instead of living with your devil, why not get rid of your devil? You become the opposite. There's a spirit of fornication that's tried to get in this congregation. How do you how do you get rid of fornication? Well, I guess I'll I guess I'll join Sexaholics Anonymous. Baloney. Why don't you pray in the Holy Ghost? The way you overcome fornication is you become holy. Pastor, I'm just I'm mad at everybody. I'm bitter at everybody. Become joyful. If you, if you will use this word and get in your personal portal, you can overcome any attribute that your parents had and passed on to you. And ladies and gentlemen, I have, ever since I've been saved, I've made up my mind, I am not going to be like my parent. You know, Brother Tim, I know I'm preaching this to you. You're the only guy sitting there. I'm not talking about your mom and dad. I'm talking about my mom and dad. But you have to, there are some things that are passed on to us, characteristics genetically, that, that make people more susceptible to different spirits. I don't believe in generational curses, but I do believe that you can get something from your parents that, and that spirit knows. I, I've seen the same behavior in them that I saw in them, which means I'm going to get on them the same way I got on them. Well, it ain't my fault. Oh, that's just a confession that you're lazy. Is that all right? Uh, Pastor, I need you to pray. Are you going to pray? Uh, I need you to pray. Are you going to pray? Will you pray? No, I'll pray. You pray. I pray. You pray. I pray. You pray. I pray. Why don't you do your own praying? Oh. I, well, I've never been so, I've never had a pastor tell me, you pray and God will move. And then you have the light go off and you go, if I prayed over that, I can pray over this. And I pray, pray over that, I can pray over this. And finally, you got a whole church that learns how to pray and the devil is nowhere to be found. Oh, come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. Honey, I was looking at, I was showing this wonderful couple back here some of the pictures. And uh, Sister Nikki was saying how pretty you were when we got here. I didn't get a lot done because I was just staring at my wife. If you're going to go to Babylon, you better have something real pretty to look at. And so I appreciate God doing that for me. Come on, you in the back, wake up. Uh, 
I'm just telling you, my wife and I fought all these. I can't even begin to tell you the stories of spirits that we were confronted with. Lazy. It took me, it took me a while to learn that you cannot financially help everybody. There was a guy that had four children out of wedlock. He was our, our church got down to two people. It was him and his girlfriend, and we talked him into getting married because it was the right thing to do. But then he said, Pastor, we don't have anywhere to live. And so I said, well, let's see what we can do. We found him a duplex. And so I learned one of my very first lessons. You do not co-sign for people that have not quit drinking, smoking, drugging. You can get quiet all you want to. These are, this is my story. <laughs> I got a lot of these. And then he started laying out of church. And my wife and I jumped in our car that was part boat, part car, Delta 88, the same one that Brother Darren and I did cartwheels around and on the ice. What's going on out in that parking lot? A couple preachers that can't afford to go out and do anything else are just going around in circles. We pulled up to his house. First thing I noticed, the garage door is cockeyed, sitting about like this. And then I couldn't believe my eyes. I looked at the place glass window. There was a perfect circle. Like somebody had went around a deal with a pencil and just poked... What's that? He said, oh, pastor, one of the kids threw the basketball through the plate glass window. I walked in. The, the carpet was filthy. He had a garbage can in the middle of the living room. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying we put up with a lot just to get to that principality. Just to get to that principality. And we love that couple very, very much. I have no idea where that couple is today, part of the history of our church. But just when we really started believing God, situations begin to happen that challenge you. And my wife just made it up in our mind. We're going to become the opposite of our city. So I, you think, man, that pastor's running the aisles. Honey, I've been running the aisles for 30 years in this church. It was a little healthier back then because it was a smaller building. I didn't have as far to run. But I'm still running because we, we got that principality right under my heel like they did in the book of Joshua. He said, put your foot on the neck of that king. My wife and I, were the, I've, I started playing guitar. I used to play guitar in church. My wife said, honey, it'd probably sound better if you quit playing. And that she told the truth. So she, she played and sang, and I worshiped. And our first converts just sat there and looked at us. They had never seen anything like this before. They never, they didn't know what praise and worship was, but started catching on. And then... We had we break we broke several principalities in the first three four years. I'm going to leave you with this. We had to overcome the spirits 
that drove out our predecessors. When a stronghold or a principality is undefeated, it's left for the next man to challenge. And when you get good people, I'm not, um, I won't even say it. But there's so many distractions in life anyway, and to add more distractions to what we're really, the previous generations in this area did not focus on winning this area. They focused on foreign missions. And that is not an accusation, it's just a reality. And they produced some of the greatest, produced some of the greatest foreign missionaries known in the apostolic movement. But it wasn't until recently that somebody really, God started importing people. Sister Tiny Crosley, I know I'm preaching long, people are starting to look at the clock. The clock in this church is in the back, which means you have to be like Lot's wife to look back there. Everybody's gonna see it. Sister Crosley um, was in this city for many years. Her and her husband, they did a tremendous job. Cornerstone, what happens is this portal thing, I could keep going on this because I'm fascinated with this, and I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. Cornerstone has actually seen the fulfillment of some prophecies that were given to an entire organization in different camp meetings. But the only way that you get those things fulfilled is you have to stay in that portal. You can't get a prop, you can't be over here doing this and have the prophecy that was given. It has to be according to being in that portal. This church has been the recipient of some of the prophecies that were given to previous generations. And so in, the, in that sense, we're not here by ourselves. There's been a lot of people that have prayed for revival in Spokane. And I want to give them credit for that. But I'll never forget something Sister Crosley told me. For many years, there was kind of a, a little friction between her and I. I loved her. Um, We'd been here about eight years. She called me up one night. She said, Brother Mayo, can I come to Cornerstone? I said, Sis Crosley, you're welcome. You're welcome to come to Cornerstone. There's probably a lot of guys hoping that I'd just pull my sword out and get ugly, but I didn't come here to get ugly. I got to have a portal. I can't afford to get ugly. I can't afford to hold grudges. I can't afford to get bitter. I can't afford to play some little game. I can't afford to worry who likes me and who doesn't like me. I gotta, Brother David, I'm after a portal. Because these principles that were established, whether it's Eden, whether it's the Tower of Babel, isn't it interesting? that at the Tower of Babel, everybody scattered because nobody could understand one another. But isn't it interesting in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost that every man heard them speak in his own language the wonderful works of God. I'm done. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. Building a church in Babylon. Come on, somebody. Your life is invaluable to the kingdom. You're a candidate for the portal, not just organizational existence, not just to go through the motions.
but to become a dynamic force that establishes the kingdom of God in the earth. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. I love you, Jesus. I praise your name. Nobody like you, God. I worship you. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this, God. It's the fulfillment of a million dreams to be doing what I'm doing. Let's stand tonight. Now, if you, if you cooperate quickly, if you cooperate quickly, we can get through this real quick. I want everybody in this building, please come down to the front. We're going to have... We're going to have a unanimous prayer, and then you'll be dismissed in the name of Jesus. Please come quickly. I'm going to have to get some of those big orange cones and put them right here on the platform so nobody walks, walks right there. Everybody, please come quickly. There are many of you. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Brother Carlos, come on down. Run. Okay. I want you to listen, listen to this. There are many of you that are the only person in your entire family lineage that's saved. You are the principal. We are going to create a portal. Let's pray for this portal to create in our lives, in our families, in our city, in our world. When we do that which is done in heaven, which is obedience, worship, overcomes Babylon, and establishes a portal where the invisible becomes visible and the immaterial becomes material. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, I pray. Every life is a doorway. It is an opportunity. It is an entrance. It is a portal into a supernatural world. God, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we align ourselves with the word. We align ourselves with the spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Worship the living God undoes Babylon. Loving truth undoes Babylon. One mind, one accord undoes Babylon. God, strengthen that one. Let him taste victory tonight. 
Let them taste of your infinite glory tonight by the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. Woo! Somebody's getting the victory right now. I'm going to move from religion to relationship tonight. I'm going to move from being out on the edge to move right in the middle of the portal in Jesus' name. All right. God bless you all. Love you. We're in this thing together in the name of Jesus. We're creating a portal one soul at a time. Shake hands. Be friendly. God bless you. We'll look forward to seeing you.